Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, or otherwise identified, welcome to the podcast that absolutely nobody is talking about. It is Lockdown Thoughts with Sean and G. I'm Sean. I'm joined by my good buddy, my pal. It's G. Big man, how are you this evening? It's Sunday night in Australia. What's cracking? Podcast time. G'day, Sean. I'm uh, I'm happy. I'm happy today, this Sunday night. The night's just got to win, which puts us in a very good position to get through to the finals. So I've, uh, I'm celebrating with a with a red, the um, Oyster Bay Pinot Noir from New Zealand, of course. And pumped. I'm pumped for this podcast. What a topic. And I, I must say, the the pronunciation of Pinot Noir, you've nailed it. Some people they're a little skeptical of how to approach approach the name. You've you've done it well, my friend. And how is the drop going down? What's the taste? Tell us about the the palate at the moment. What's the tenons like? It's a it's a favourite of mine. It goes with pretty much anything. So it hits the spot. And the pronunciation, you're right. Not everyone gets it. But uh, if you do get it, you know you're talking to a seasoned drinker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that's something to be to be proud of or not, but uh, it is lockdown thoughts. Uh, so a drink is an obligation, unfortunately. Um, for for me, I know you want to ask me what's going on. I I started with a, a lovely dropout of Byron Bay, a Stone and Wood Pacific Ale, and I've got a little chaser. It's uh, he's back for the second podcast, the Gin Fizz, making an appearance again on podcast number two and it is just as delightful as the first time round. Mate, I know we've just started this podcast in, but you've dropped it twice now and I, I don't know, are you getting paid for plugs? Because no one's approached me yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the drink that no one wants me to talk about, but I won't shut up about it. No, it is look, it's it's a it's a simple man's drink. It's got a, a handful of ingredients and um as I said last week, the egg the egg white does all the work, mate. It's the hero of this one. Tonight, though, uh, it is Sunday night here in Australia, and we are talking about career changes during COVID. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dive into it, and gee, we're gonna talk about your experience changing careers during COVID. Um, and look, I'll offer a a little bit of insight as well, but but yours is really the big shakeup that uh, a lot of people are interested in. And on social media, we've we've heard more and more people talking about also moving to the country. So if you haven't listened to episode one, make sure you dive into that one because uh, we covered moving to the country during COVID. Uh, but following that one, G, we're going to talk about your experience uh, changing careers. So not only have you moved to the country, you've then changed careers as well, which surprisingly quite a few people have have done the same thing. But before we jump into that one, I want to ask you, what do you reckon is the worst possible job in the world? What would be the one job you would hate to have to make a transition into? <laughs> Gee, that's tough. Um, look, I, I have seen a few. I have seen a few things during during COVID times and one job I wouldn't envy is being a temperature tester. Um, just, you know, it's hard enough to, to get people to wear masks and checking on that sort of stuff, but to get them to stand still and just check their temperature and not tell them what it is and just give them the green or red, <laughs> that'd be tough. <laughs> I, I mentioned, uh, well, you actually mentioned my my old man, the uh, the Rob Dog, last, last week. 
And um, we're having a bit of a laugh about his his Scottish ways, being a tight ass that he is. But I, I put him up in a in a nice hotel. Um, this was when we got out of the last oh, the last lockdown, twelve months ago, and we we kind of got out of it, and we um we went for a little holiday to the where the hell did we go? It was up uh, Port Stephens. It was just north of is it just north of Newcastle? I think it's just north of Newcastle, and um. Put him up in a nice hotel for for the weekend. The Rob Dog and my uh, my lovely mother, and my dad just was obsessed because I had one of the automated temperature testers where you just stand in front of a little iPad and it uh, does the reading for you <laughs> and gives you the green tick or the red cross. Now he went back replied. for about three. He went back for about three temperature tests just because he was obsessed <laughs> with the thing. Look at that. Well, maybe he's one of the rare people who doesn't mind getting his temperature checked. Maybe he, that's the job for him, testing people's temperatures. I think like he's nearing retirement, the the legend that he is. But maybe if he uh, if he was told uh, you had to do another – let's just pretend, I don't know, we're in North Korea and you get told, oh, another 10 years on the clock, please. Maybe a temperature tester would be, be the job for him. Um, what do you reckon would be the best job you could change to, though, if, if anything was on, on the cards, uh, everything was up for grabs? All on the table. What job would you go with? What's Being the one thing up. you wish you, you you could have had a go at? You know, when you're back in in primary school and you can't. I think everyone goes from being a uh, I want to be a police officer to I want to be a I don't know a, a fireman, uh, and then you want to be a professional athlete. You want to be a, a footy player or a tennis player, and and then you kind of get a bit old and you're like I'm pretty useless at everything. Uh, I'll go to university or or TAFE and I'll become just a a generic person in the world but what about you mate what, what what would you like to do mate it's funny you say that there's actually there used to be this show called blue healers it used to be on wednesday nights on prime and uh, i was in love with it and i wanted to be a detective for the longest of times i was so much in love with blue healers as you know state of origin comes <laughs> on a wednesday night i would still watch blue healers and miss the first half of state of origin uh, that's how much i wanted to be a detective <laughs> but right now Right, do you remember? Right do you remember? I've got to stop you here, mate. I've got to stop you here. But I remember oh. your obsession with Blue Healers, and you got me onto Blue Healers. And I remember back in primary school, we would watch. We, there was no way we were meant to be watching Blue Healers, but for some reason, our our mums were okay with it. And on a Wednesday night, I think it came on at like I don't know eight thirty, and and went to nine thirty. And for a, for a couple of lads in I don't know how old we were, mate, year year one or two or something like that. And the fact that they were okay with us watching it. Is a is a shock to me, and let's not call the the authorities just yet. But do you remember the detective you wanted to be? Do you remember Do you remember the detective? <laughs> Martin Zach, how could I forget? <laughs> yeah, and then fast forward like twenty odd years later, and I'm in Byron Bay, I'm in Aldi, and who's across in the other checkout? No way. It's Martin <laughs> Sachs, and I'm having the pinch me moment. Not for me, but for you. Like, I wished you were there just so you could see Martin Sachs in the flesh. Well, that tells me. That, t- that tells you how successful the show was, that Martin Sachs now shops at Aldi. <laughs> but, you know, a house in Byron Bay, you must be doing something right. True. Very true. I had a massive crush on Lisa McCune, who played the detective opposite Martin, and Martin just never asked her out. And by the time he asked her out, the show finished. And I was like, mate, what? <laughs> but but to answer your question um did i yeah, ask a question a, i can't even remember what did i ask yeah, 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get, we're getting there. We're doing all right. You, yeah. So what, do, what would I want to do if I had the ideal job? Looking at current times and who's got the most freedom, because that's what you want with the job, right? You want, you want to get paid pretty well. You want to feel like you're making a difference, and you want to do what you want, really. And, and the only people who are doing that at the moment is politicians. I mean, no one's allowed to leave the country, but people can go to the Olympics. Except politicians, fair enough. Athletes, not saying anything there, but there was no need for the Queensland Premier to go, in my opinion. Mate, um, we're losing, we're, we're losing listeners. Let's let's switch from politics. <laughs> Tell me, what is the job you want to do? What's the dream job? Dream job, mate. I think for me, it's it's always about doing something rewarding. Um, so I remember, I remember working in finance for a bit there in Queensland. When I when I first got out of uni, um, so I'm not going to talk about when I was uh, worked in the bottle o, um, pretended to work at Woolworths to get the job at the bottle o. Um, well, we, won't, <laughs> we won't dive into that, but um, we all but do I, things. Yeah, we all do things. Yeah. No one's resume starts at the top. <laughs> but, but yeah, was, I, I resigned from my first job, so I got into a graduate program in finance. I resigned from that, and then I took a bit of like a, a break before I went for my next role. And I came home and I actually worked alongside my dad. It was it was uh, the summer of 2015, January 2015. And I helped him, uh, my dad's a blueberry farmer by trade. So I helped him plant some trees and some blueberry trees. And and it was about a six month period and they started to produce. And, and it, was, it was actually very rewarding. And from that point on, I shaped my, I guess, my career aspirations to being a career that I found rewarding. Mind you, that job didn't pay very well. My dad was giving me three hundred bucks a week, but um, but it wasn't. Shout it, out to Bill. Was, yeah, shout out to Bill. Um, but yeah, it was it was the rewarding aspect to it. And when I went back to Brisbane, I actually went back as a financial advisor, uh, and was the, the goal was to help people with their finances. And um, so I think my ideal job would be something that's rewarding, uh, and that's that's a pretty pretty wide range. Actually, I wouldn't be able to nail it down to one job. But what about you, mate? What what would be your ideal job? Uh, ideal job. I mean, I would. If if you can't be a professional athlete, um, then being involved in like the broadcasting behind it would be amazing. You know, I I think of some of the the greats like Ray Warren and um and, and the like who who've had such long lasting careers and they get, uh, you know, they get inside scoops on so many things. They're really part of the, the inner sanctum of, of the sport. And I think that'd be the next best thing if you can't be on the field. But um, I don't know, outside of that, I, I agree. Something quite, quite simple. I mean, I'd love to be able to just go fishing for a career and, and catch what I need, but nonetheless, um, oh, well, I won't be doing it in the nude like old Rexy boy, but. Um, <laughs> Would you kiss him and throw him back? <laughs> no tongue, I swear. Let's talk. Let's move. Let's move along, though, um, beyond these initial ramblings and and dive a bit deeper. You mentioned uh, you mentioned you had a few career changes, a few little tweaks to the resume over the years. But the one I'm more interested in is the move from the financial world to a new career when you moved to the country during COVID. So. Tell the audience, G, what was the transition and what did it look like? And tell us the inside scoop. It's, yeah, it's um, 
it's interesting looking back at that period now it's only well just over 12 months ago but people always say you don't really know what's going to happen in life you can't you try and plan things and try and work work uh, work to a certain schedule but at the end of the day you just don't know where your life's going to take you and that's what the career change for me really encompasses i mean um, i was you know did a degree in finance got into a graduate program in finance with credit in australia then built my way up and eventually i was a financial advisor at flight center uh, but as we touched on in episode one there i sort of wanted to move back to the country uh, and i looked at the framework of my career to date and it was very structured you know it was very corporate very progressive but as i said when i did that little stint with my dad on the farm i realized i wanted to do something more rewarding and and have more of an impact uh, i guess and as opposed to being a, a digit or in a cubicle in a company uh, so when i moved back to the coffs coast i really assessed the industry here in coffs and and what's you know where can you be successful where can you make an impact um, and i sort of got it down to to five key industries i won't go into what all of them are but essentially the two that i could have worked in was um uh one was real estate the other was was hospitality and tourism where i could see i could mix you know my experience and what i wanted to achieve and what i was looking for uh, from a career hospitality and tourism the thing about being in a tourist spot it's only like it's productive during our summer which is you know half of the year so i didn't see that as a, a long-term long-term viable however covid certainly changed that and coffee has become a real tourist hotspot when you say uh, but, uh a tourism and hospitality what, what do you when you were narrowing it down by tourism you're talking did you want to be a, a dolphin trainer or like uh i don't know did you want to take people <laughs> on guided walks or when you say tourism and hospitality it's pretty wide my friend what was it I had no idea, mate. I just knew that that was an industry that was going off. So, so dolphin dolphin feeding was on the was on the table. Nothing off oh, the table. And I am Indian, and we're not that good with the water. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe fishing, like you said. <laughs> no. I do you remember? Do you remember what like little tangent? Do you know what I I loved? What gave me immense joy as a kid as well was in swimming lessons in primary <laughs> school. Uh, <laughs> Now, now you could swim fine, but the thing you couldn't do very well was to dive into the pool. And mate, I I was in stitches, absolutely in tears, <laughs> after attempt after attempt, old G man trying to do a trying to do a dive into into the pool. The problem was you kept lifting your head up, so your hands would go in the water, but your head would be up. And man, it was uh, it was it was hilarious. Old old Mr. Payton got a good laugh out of that too. I had more red bellies than a red belly black snake. <laughs> <laughs> so dolphin dolphin feeding might have been off the table, but otherwise pretty well everything else in the tourism and hospitality industry was on the table, but you weren't really sure what was up. Um, so what did you go with? Did you go with real estate or did you go with tourism? I did. I did. I ended up, I ended up assessing those two options. Uh, and, and going with real estate because I can see there was an opportunity. There was, there was a lot of people like me moving down here from Brisbane and and um, Queensland or moving up from Sydney and, and Melbourne and the Central Coast and coming up to an area like Coffs and the demand, I guess, for, for, for property in the area. And I could see that that was going to be a trend for the next few years. 
and I just thought there's a great opportunity there to get into real estate. So that's what I did. Um, it was um, completely random. Not what I studied at uni. Didn't require a university degree, but um, that was the career change on the back of COVID. How did you get your, your first job in real estate? Because I, it was only the other day I was hearing one of our good good friends, uh, we'll call him, uh, let's call him Tony. And Tony was telling me about when he did a career change oh, 10 years ago, and he went from being a pastry chef to being in sales. And he was sitting down for his first interview <laughs> to get a job in sales, selling like some, some bullshit thing like holiday timeshare or something like that. And uh, he's sitting down for the interview and he, what, who would be his uh, direct line manager says, look, looking at your CV, mate, you, you've got nothing on here. You're, you're basically a baker. <laughs> and, and, and old Tony, he said, uh, old Tony, he said, um, he said, I'm sitting here because I want to make money and you're sitting there because you want to make money. Uh, so let's help each other out. His line manager then says, "Hold on, hold that thought." He goes outside of the room, gets the gets the next line manager, the GM of the company, brings him in, and he says to Tony, "He says, he says, say that again." And, <laughs> and, and, he, and he says the line again, gets the job, uh, and and all the GM said was, "Have you got your own car?" And Tony goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "All right, we'll see you Monday." <laughs> well, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. How did you get your first? job in the real estate industry having been in a very different sector before uh doing that transition in a in a town that basically had forgotten you it's been it's been 10 15 years since you've been been in the area how'd you get that first job well not as smooth as tony as it pertains to me <laughs> very few could be as <laughs> as smooth as tony yeah and i, I know you're talking about when you say tony he, he lived up the road from me and he was very blunt wasn't he Straight to the point. and I wish I was, but <laughs> well, I had to do things a bit differently. Um, so I um, I had goals, I had a vision in mind. So I, I jumped into the course and I knocked out the course first, and then uh, an opportunity an opportunity came about, and uh, I decided to go with that opportunity. Um, and it wasn't. I think the thing with real estate is there's not a lot of qualification or education behind it. You do need to have a certain drive. You do need to have, uh, I guess, a certain sense of hunger, but there's no course or training behind that. It's just a very uh, individual thing, and I, um, I guess, I had that. Do you reckon it's uh, it's the difference between a like a, a really successful agent and just your run of the mill agent? Is that drive, that work ethic, that because it really comes down to you. At the end of the day, it's all on you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I won't be able to comment on that because I'm not a really successful agent. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call this guy. Need to sell your house? Don't call him. <laughs> well, let's not let's not put that out there. Uh, I go all right. I go. Give me a ring. Give me a ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, and so you you was basically by chance a bit of opportunity came up. You you put yourself forward. And, uh, and next minute, you've you've started your career in in real estate, and for what the next twelve months or so, you, you've you've now been doing your thing. Um, what has been the biggest difficulty in changing jobs d 
during COVID? Oh, geez, yeah, good question. question. I think I think if any for anyone going through that process in the past twelve months, it's not just about changing jobs; it's about changing the way you do things completely. So from 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 A to Z, really. And so I joined at a. It was a good time to join real estate because uh, obviously real estate has been in the past 12 months in Australia. But it was a difficult time to join the workforce in general because the way the, the, the way the, I guess, society is operating, it doesn't allow for everything that a real estate agent does. You know, there was no face-to-face, um, I guess, conversations for the first yeah, of sort course. of four to five months. So that's what a big thing for a real estate agent is to get in front of people and, and meet people and talk to people and, and network. But you couldn't actually do that. So not only was I joining a new industry, the thing, the, the first thing you do and go out there and meet people, I couldn't even do that. So I was stuck behind a desk making phone calls. It's the thing that an agent's really paid for, isn't it, is to allay any concerns or fears of the party they're representing. And without having that face-to-face interaction, how can you really build that rapport to with, with a complete stranger uh, to make them feel safe and that they can trust you. How do you actually do that in practice? Yeah, no, it was it was tough. And I wouldn't say I hit the ground running uh, until about five to six months in. So first four to five months, um, I personally don't really count as being in real estate. It was when things opened up a bit and I was actually out there um, chasing, chasing and and working in the area and as you said how did, how did i go about like re-establishing myself in a place i hadn't been for such a long time um, particularly being the way cost is it's very everyone knows everyone everyone knows what everyone's up to so it was first off when did you move back oh okay you've moved back and then second phase was oh you're in real estate now so i had a sort of uphill battle but um i did all right i came out on top do you reckon um do you reckon, because they say the first 100 days is is pretty much the learning curve. First 100 days, you want to make a bit of an impression, but it's really about just being a sponge and learning as much as you can from, from those you're around. And then after that, after that first 100 days, so we're looking at a tick over three months, that's when you can really start proving your value. That, that seemed to be the same for you, mate? No, I think it was longer. And I think that's because of the whole you know, the COVID issue there and not being able to get out there. Yeah, it was definitely longer. But in other roles I've had, you're right, it's, um, I guess, it's quite an establishment period. Uh, so, that, yeah, generally last sort of three, so it's, three to four months. So it's something for others to consider, like those listening to the podcast, that if you're thinking about that change during COVID, that what you would typically think is that establishment period, you know, a few months, and then you kind of hit your... Hit your hit your strides during COVID because, I mean, the way we do business is so different now in terms of face-to-face interaction, um, you know, the use of technology, uh, just the, the different mindset of people, both customer and business owner uh, and employee. So we're saying that basically if you're anything to go by, you've got to have a little bit more patience. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be more, it's got to be more thought out. Your whole approach to whatever you do, whether it's you know a career change or or even just a new role in the same industry, 
it's got to be more thought out, more process. I think you've got to be more flexible and adaptable too, because there's going to be, I guess, curveballs, and you've got to be able to adjust on the fly. Mm. With that thought of adjusting on the fly, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and otherwise identified, it's that time of week that you all look forward to. It's time to investigate the trend. The trend. Investigating the trend. Yeah. Nice segue, Sean. Eh? And it's um, COVID. COVID has really changed. Changed the way people do things. And I'm not talking about from a career standpoint, but I'm talking about everyday consumers, the way they do things and what they want. And that's really changed the way people do things. And on the back of that, there's been some crazy, I guess, crazy changes in in flows and what people are looking to do. For example, a financial advisor is now a real estate agent. So what I would say to you, Sean, is um, what do you think trends are and where do you think people are going uh, in terms of careers? Well, we touched on it last week a little bit, G, and that is that even pre-COVID, that we saw net migration out of the cities to the country. That seems to be happening. Um, but I would say, in terms of trend, that there's a lot of people second-guessing themselves when it comes to the hospitality industry as well as the tourism industry. And the other one on the back of that is the education industry. So we're finding that the at the moment that there are more people moving away from employment with education uh, institutions, particularly universities, as well as TAFE to a to a, to a, a lighter degree, but but largely those people who are academics or, or professors or, or, or lecturers and tutors moving away from those kind of industries. And it comes back to what is it that are the biggest industries of Australia? What do we export the most? And our biggest exports are is education it's right up there and then and then in terms of our other big industries you mentioned before in terms of coughs but more broadly across the country tourism and hospitality uh, are very much the uh, you know the life of a lot of towns and cities across this continent um, so that's really what the trend's telling me uh, so it's it's quite interesting that that you had that moment back uh, over 12 months ago now, where it was tourism, hospo, or real estate, and you picked real estate. And as things have kind of transpired, uh, and today being Sunday, we just had the announcement that the whole of the state's now going into lockdown. Yeah. Uh, probably dodged a bit of a bullet, mate, not not starting your career in the, the tourism industry. Yeah, I don't think there's many people dolphin watching right now. So <laughs> any good as a dolphin crowd. <laughs> And, uh, uh, yeah, look, to carry on the back of that, uh, a big a big industry, obviously, as you know, but looking at the trend of the industry and why all of a sudden it is in high demand, working from home is a key component of COVID. A lot of people are working from home, uh, and what that brings is, I guess, new challenges that they've never been really um, exposed to before or had to think about. The other big thing that's happened is homeschooling. So all of a sudden you've got a household where no one's home between, you know, nine to five. So all of a sudden everyone's home at the same time between nine to five. You've got mum and dad trying to work from home and you've got kids trying to homeschool. So we're faced right now with a nanny boom. 
Shauna, a nanny boom. There's not enough nannies in the country. Can you believe it? Remember my my uh, my dear sister. She did a stint uh, over in Italy, and of course, she uh, she had the necessary visas. Gee, I'm not saying that she was there illegally by any means, uh, but <laughs> she she did a good stint. Let's just say she did uh, more than a good stint in the uh, in the Alps of, of northern Italy and the beach <laughs> suburbs as well. She had the best of both worlds, and what an industry it was over there. And I must say, it wasn't really anything that I really thought about at all until she decided to go and do that. But you think in Australia, like the, the, the sheer distances between towns and, and, and houses even, particularly when you go into to rural areas and the need for, for a nanny, like you think about any, any cattle station or, or uh, you know, rural, rural property, you're yeah. so far away from anything that a nanny is like, it's, it's worth its weight in gold, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's probably an industry here that I guess hasn't been hasn't been really used as, as much as it should be. And COVID's probably something that people have gone, well, we don't actually have time to do a lot of the things that we needed to do because the kids are home now and we're home now. So yeah. we need someone to help. And that's where this nanny boom has come from. Uh, and that's actually an industry that's grown the quickest or the fastest, I should say, during COVID. It's not. It's not really one of those industries that you you know anyone that's in any. Like in Australia, it's it, yeah. It's only been people that I've met that are you know at a when you, when you're sort of partying at a backpackers hostel, and then you find out that they're in any. And uh, you know, I won't divulge too much more of that evening. But but it's it's those conversations when you realise that there's actually this whole industry out there um, that you otherwise wouldn't have known. And it doesn't surprise me that that's now a burgeoning industry. I was listening the other day. Like, I don't have kids, thank, thank the Lord. Um, although I'm sure uh, Mama Jen would wish that she had a couple of couple of grandchildren. But <laughs> she, um, you know, it, it was it was a conversation with a couple of parents were having about how they wanted to chip in uh, so then they could get a private tutor during the schooling from home situation because basically they couldn't their kids weren't getting the attention they needed. Uh, and I just didn't even know that this was a thing. So even if you're a, a tutor or a nanny, there's just all of a sudden such a demand that, I mean, run-of-the-mill guys like yourself and I, we just wouldn't even know that that thing is even out there. Um, yeah. Any other trends for you, mate? Anything else you've identified for this week's Investigating the Trend? Yeah, so that was the first one. That was where that's completely boomed. And as you said, an industry that's probably not really in the forefront in Australia is now in high demand. The second was delivery services, from food delivery to parcel delivery and, and postal services. As you know, we cannot go out there and shop. We can't go out for dinner. So all of a sudden, there's this demand for delivery services. And especially when I look at a place like Coffs, where that's probably not something that has ever been in high demand because everything's so close. You've got a lot of time on your hands in a country lifestyle. Going out for a meal is you know, something that's part of, I guess, the, the climate down here. It's, it's a pleasant thing to do. Most people walk down to the restaurants and bars and that sort of thing. But last, uh, actually two days ago, two days ago, I, I um, was waiting for my iPhone screen to get fixed. Uh, this was pre, pre-lockdown, so whilst it wasn't, wouldn't be an essential thing now at the time, there was no restrictions on this, uh, I ducked into a, a dumpling bar, which is at Park Beach Plaza, it needs to be done. You have to do it. <laughs> yeah, they had to do it. 
and um, I've got some pork and chopped dumplings with chili sauce. Mm. Unreal. <laughs> Another plug, unpaid. People pay us, we'll plug you. Um, and then, <laughs> and uh, I was just sitting there and I was waiting for my dumplings and I noticed um, there's a couple of restaurants along there and no one was seated in these venues. Four delivery drivers came in, picked up some food, and uh, obviously went to deliver that. And it was about 5.30 and I just saw it. That wasn't a job before. In Coffs Harbour, there was no delivery drivers. Um, so I think that's another trend. And you're seeing more and more courier services, you know, things like Amazon taking off, uh, online shopping in general, but all these new platforms taking off in Australia. And I think that's the trend that's come on the back of COVID with people being restricted mm. in their movement. I mean, I think before COVID and uh, I think back to trends that I didn't think I would ever see, and shout out to the old uh, Plantation Hotel. What a sweaty little dance floor that was. <laughs> but do you remember there was always a guy selling hot dogs on the dance floor? Like, who would have ever thought that that was something that was yeah, needed? But... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's where my, my where my mind went just then. But uh, having a little sweaty hot dog on the uh, the D floor at the Plano. Um, <laughs> so, so gee, we, we were talking nannies. We're talking delivery drivers. Uh, we're talking about uh, jobs you can work from home. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing about these trends and all in all, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you about your career change during COVID. We've had last week's episode where we chatted about your, your relocation and, and tonight we've, we've had a bit of a chat about a complete career change. So for anyone out there that's also done a career change during COVID, we'd love to hear from you. So leave us a comment on YouTube or on our Facebook page, leave us a comment. Uh, you can also listen in on Spotify and uh, all the other platforms uh, where you get your podcast from. Gee, let's wrap it up. It's Sunday evening here in Australia. We've been rambling for the best part of half an hour. You've been listening to Lockdown Thoughts with Sean and G. Uh, I'm Sean. Like. Share, subscribe, do all the things. RMG, signing out. Ciao.